This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. I think we're going to do things a little bit differently today. So we're going to do a combined uh, Sonica and me. Doing it together. <clears throat> so we are very passionate about, about marriage. Um, I know what it uh, feels like when it doesn't work, because my, my parents divorced uh, when I was in primary school, and uh, so in that sense grew up in a broken family, and uh, yeah, so anyway, I, I never thought marriage could be this good, and, and, and this special, and, uh, and there's a lot of opinions about marriage in general. But I first just want to say, yo, my wife has written an amazing book. She is amazing. Come on, let's give her a hand. It was a big step of it's faith not, for her. It's not objective, though, so. But I appreciate the support. I'm not called to be objective. <laughs> so we want to, we really feel God wants to today, you know, do something in our hearts. And uh, so that's sort of the, the focus of, of uh, trusting that God's going to do something beautiful in us. And so we're going to share some stories and a few principles about how to have a soft heart, and, uh, and, and, but yet a thick skin. You know, it's, it's often, um, <laughs> you need it, you need it. So uh, let, let me just pray for us, and then, then we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna share Father, thank you for this day. Thank you, God, for the, the beauty of marriage. God, when it works, it is amazing. And we pray, God, that you would breathe new life into our hearts, into our relationships, into our marriages. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. God, Holy Spirit, I, we pray that you would work through us, speak through us. God, I pray that each one would hear the voice of the Father. Releasing new hope to each one. Thank you, God, for new hope. Thank you, Lord, you touch our eyes and hearts to see as you see. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, so, so what is normal for, for a marriage? <clears throat> is it normal that over time you should become more distant is it normal that you should become more disillusioned, more frustrated? Is, is that how it should be, you know, over time? Is, is that the norm? You know, if you ask people about marriage, normally when, you, when, you, when, when people find out you're getting married, they're like, ah, oh, shame, man. I'm so sorry to hear that. So life is over, you know. Life has come to its end. Now it's just going to be suffering and pain. Is that, is that normal? Is that how it should be? You know, with, um, when, when we got married after the first year or so, people would ask us, yeah, how's the marriage going? And, and I would say, no, it's, yeah, loving it. When we, when we got married, it was like, it felt to me like I'm, uh, I got saved again. It was amazing, amazing. I was so blessed. But after a year or so, there were people asking us, people at Sonica's work, how's marriage, how's married life? I said, no, it's amazing. And then they would respond like, oh, yeah, yeah. 
So you're in the honeymoon phase still, eh? Give it some time. Give it some time. And then three, four years down the line, then you'd, again, people ask, how's it going? I was like, yeah, it's amazing. You know, obviously there are challenges, but it's wonderful. And then still they give you that look like, ah, give it some time. You'll get as miserable as us, you know? And and that's sort of the, the attitude, you know, the expectation. It's supposed to get worse. It's supposed to not be wonderful. And, uh. I want to speak the truth today. No, marriage is supposed to be beautiful, obviously with challenges, but it's supposed to get better and better as time goes on. Eh? It's like good red wine. It just gets better. You know, so there's a, there's a quote by a, a lady called Minyo, Minyon McLaughlin. She says, a successful marriage requires falling in love many times, always with the same person. A successful marriage requires falling in love many times, always with the same person. You know, the state of our hearts will determine the state of our relationships. And I, and I, and I know that, you know, the, the key for that, to, to fall in love over and over again, our hearts need to be soft. And so we want to share a bit about that. How can your heart be soft because when marriage works, you know, it's like you go, obviously go three seasons, but when, when you fall in love again with the same person, it's amazing. You just overflow life, you know? So we want to give you some hope today. A few people, every now and again, someone comes to me and they, and they say thank you to me and Sonica. Thank you for being a, a beacon of hope for marriage. Thank you for being an example, you know? And, and, and I know it's not us doing something, it's not us you know, it's the grace of God. It's the goodness of God. But God wants marriage to be beautiful. Amen. Come on, let's say it. God wants my marriage to be beautiful. Amen. 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 So I want to read a scripture to you this morning. Most of you would know that. Proverbs 4 verse 23. It's a well-known scripture. But this morning I want to read it to you in the Passion Translation. It's a really beautiful translation for those of you who haven't discovered it yet. It says, so above all, guard the affections of your heart, for they affect all that you are. Pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being, for from there flows the wellspring of life. Pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being. And I've just realized that paying attention to the welfare of our innermost being can never be a by-the-way thing. We can never be casual about it. It's always intentional. There's always a plan to pay attention to the, to the welfare of your innermost being. So we're talking about soft hearts this morning, and we're also talking about thick skins. And we need soft hearts so that we can actually receive and give love with a boldness, without a fear of getting hurt. Because most people build a wall around their hearts. So we think the, the way to protect ourselves is to build a wall. And the way to protect us is actually not building a wall, but our hearts to become softer and our skins to become thicker. So we need soft hearts that we can give and receive love boldly without fearing to get hurt. We need thick skins so that we will be less sensitive. We'll be able to give the other person the benefit of the doubt and that we'll be able to recover quicker from relational breakdown. Amen. So we want to share with you this morning just a few practical ways of cultivating a soft heart and a thick skin. Amen. Are you guys ready for that? So first of all, I want to 
I want to share with you about moving your expectation. There's a scripture in Psalm 62, verse 5 and 6, that says, My soul waits silently for God alone, for my expectation is from Him. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense, and I shall not be moved. You see, something beautiful happens when we move our expectation from our spouse, or if you're not in a, in a married relationship yet, from your um, from even just a good friend, you move that expectation from that person to God. Two beautiful things happen. The first thing is you, you actually move your heart to a safe place because people are going to disappoint you. And the, the irony is the people closest to you, the people you love the most, the people you respect the most, they're possibly going to disappoint you the most because your expectation is so high. So the moment we move our expectation from our spouse to God, you put your heart in a safe place because God will never disappoint us. God is the one person who will never, or the, if you want to call him a person, he is he's the Trinity, he's God, the Holy Spirit, Father, Son. He's never going to disappoint us. The second thing that happens, it's, it sets us free to appreciate the smallest thing that your spouse will do, the smallest thing, because instead of... Uh, Instead of expecting something from him, you move it to God. So it leads to an appreciative heart. So two beautiful things happen when we move our expectations. So I want to share you a success story of mine and a failure story. When, when we got engaged or when we decided to get married, obviously you're expecting an engagement. And for us girls, we, we obviously have dreams around engagement. We have dreams around our wedding day. And... I just realized that I could set myself up for a huge disappointment if I have certain things in mind, like a sunset or a mountain or music or dancing. And now my poor husband-to-be, not even fiancé yet, he needs to perform according to things in my mind that he doesn't even know about. So I realized that for me to enjoy that moment, I need to move my expectation. I need to take it away from him and I need to to trust in God that whatever is going to happen is going to be beautiful. And that was one of my success stories. Our engagement was beautiful. He exceeded all my expectations. <laughs> well done. Because her expectations were very low. <laughs> yes, so he exceeded all my expectations. But it, it was a success story, and I often think back to that time where I, I thought about the most unromantic possible way of getting engaged, and I said to myself, it's going to be amazing. <laughs> so it exceeded all my expectations, and it was, um, it was just amazing for me to, to relive that experience. So I want to tell you a failure story uh, about a year or two into our marriage. I communicated a desire to Andre that was a desire, but for him it felt like an expectation, like something he had to perform, something that to, he had to do to make me happy. So I, I communicated my desire for him to bring me flowers from time to time. And I thought, I'm communicating my heart. I'm, I thought, honestly, I was doing the right thing. Obviously for him, it, it put this expectation on him that he needs to do something to keep me happy. And even if he does it, it's not going to be special. It's just meeting an expectation. 
And it, that one was not successful. It, it, it backfired on me. So I decided once again just to move my expectation away from him. Because the way I communicated, the way I, I, I transferred this desire expectation, it did not benefit our relationship. And I just realized over time that the secret for me as a wife, especially to, to, to receive a desire or to receive an expectation in the right way is to move it to God. And when it does happen, when Andre does something that really blesses me, not to be casual about it, not to be to really make a big thing about it, to make sure that he knows that really blessed me. Because ultimately what gets rewarded gets repeated. So that is my strategy, and it is beautiful. Amen. All the ladies, come on, say it. What's rewarded gets repeated. Okay, that's the tip for the ladies. But also for the guys, also for the guys. You need to communicate... You can communicate, hey, when you, yeah, that's wonderful. That, that, that blesses me huge. So in terms of expectation management, I have um, discovered with myself that I am a miserable human being when I am not connected to God. So in other words, if I look to my wife to fulfill me, I'll never be fulfilled because she can't. She doesn't have the ability to fulfill my, my inner tank. You know, and, and this is, this is, this is like foundational. If you are looking to other people to fulfill you, you will always be putting your expect, too, too much expectation upon them, and therefore you, you won't be, um, in the place in the way that you can be. You see, the moment you shift your expectation from a person to God, what happens is you, you shift your heart out of a place of vulnerability where you can really get hurt to a place of safety in God. But you need to shift your expectation. You need to connect with God so that He fills you up. You know, so within our relationship, uh, anything that Sonica does is a bonus. You know, for me it's, and she does a lot, by the way. <laughs> Maybe I will start complaining if she doesn't do it anymore. But, but my, my primary expectation is from God. I said, God, you are my peace. You are my joy. You know, fill me up. And then when I spend that time with God, like you know, every morning, every day, spending time with God, when, when God fills me, man, I have capacity to love, to serve, to, to be a good man. But I don't have it in myself. And I find the times that I'm disconnecting from God, I am a miserable human being. You know, it's like you can't, you can't fill this tank, you know. And, and to be honest, um, sometimes with Sonic as well, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at her and I'm, I'm picking up from her. She's looking at me to fill up that tank. And now you can't really say this. This will backfire if you say this to your wife. Now you're going to say it to the whole church. <laughs> but they need to know. We are giving them inside info. You know, so, <laughs> but I, 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 I would be thinking... Honey, you really need to go spend some time with Jesus now. <laughs> Let him fill up your tank because what, what, what I'm experiencing here is overwhelming. I can't, I don't know what to do with this, you know. Any husband that's ever experienced that? Yeah, yeah. So, so you can't really say go spend time with Jesus. That's going to backfire. That's, that doesn't work. So you must 
just pray. But, uh, <laughs> but, but also for the, for the ladies you, and, and for guys as well, you need to determine what, what do you get from your partner and what must you get from God? And what do you get from a friend? You know, but to put everything on your spouse is really, really tough. And, and, and so you need to shift your expectation and you move your heart from a place of vulnerability into a safe place in God. Okay. That works like a bomb. So we want to share with you a second, a second idea or a tip. You can work out your own game plan. This is just a few ideas from us. The second thing that really works for me is very closely connected to moving my expectation, but I call that putting my trust in God. So I want to show you a scripture in Proverbs 21, verse 1, that says, The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. Like the rivers of water, he turns it wherever he wishes. So the king's heart is in the hand of of the Lord. So ladies, for those of you who are married, your husband is the king of your home. And yes. I know not all ladies like that. <laughs> the men will like this, surely. But I, I think I, I would be willing to say this another million times in my lifetime because I've experienced the blessing of embracing this truth. It's not an easy truth to embrace, especially if your husband does not act like the king. That is can become quite challenging. But I want to I wanna share you stories of just between me, Vian, our son, and, and I, how we experienced this. When he was about four or five years old, I started teaching him that daddy is the king in our home. And uh, apologies for those of you who've heard the story before, but we were sitting in our, in our lounge. The three of us, and it was about, um, it must have been four or five years at that stage, Andre got up, he walked to the kitchen, helped himself to some ice cream in the fridge, walked up to his office, we were working from home, and there Vian and I sit. And Vian looked at me, he looked at Daddy, he looked at Daddy walking up the stairs. It was like, Mommy, why can Daddy just have ice cream? And there was this moment of silence, and I realized I need to now carefully choose my words, because I'm also thinking, why can Daddy just have ice cream? <laughs> so now I need to, because I've been teaching him that Daddy is the king of the home, which means that Daddy has certain privileges that doesn't always, or can't always be explained. So now, and, and there's this moment of silence in Vian, Vian came to this conclusion, he said to me, Mommy, is it because he is the king of this home? I was so thankful for a four-year-old's wisdom in that moment. So since then, it has been a very firmly established truth and, and conviction in our home that daddy is the truth, even though Vian, daddy's the king. sorry, yeah, daddy is the king. The truth is daddy is the king. So Vian loves to remind Andre that he's not the king of kings. You know, he, he loves to remind Andre that Jesus is the ultimate king. I think Vian feels a bit better about the situation. And he loves to remind me that he's the little king. His name actually <laughs> means little king. So about two years ago, we were sitting in the kitchen and I don't know, ladies, but if you are also the seeker and the finder of everything in your home, but I am that person. You know, there's only two men in my in my life, but they are forever asking me where all this stuff is. But in any case, so now Andre is looking for something in the kitchen. And I get that feeling, that frustrated feeling of I need to know where everything is in this house. And 
I said to him, Vian sitting next to me, I said to him, no, not in that drawer, in that drawer, in the kitchen. Okay, he's looking for something, and Vian looked at me and said, is that how you speak to the king? <laughs> so my own teachings is catching up on me. So I can't get away with anything. In fact, Andre can't get away with anything either in our home. We might tell you another story just now that we didn't plan, but that one's really good. <laughs> yeah, no, Vian, Vian checks up on us. He, uh, he's sort of the mediator in the house, and he communicates with us when we're not speaking to one another in the right way. And especially, <clears throat> my son likes to pour guilt and condemnation on me. <laughs> so the one time... The one time we missed one another, and uh, my wife was crying a little bit. So now we we had on holiday, and uh, and so we a little bit worked up. So I'm I'm standing on this side of the room, and Sonic is sitting on the bed, and now Vian comes, and he hugs, he holds Sonica, and he looks at me. <laughs> Like a condescending, guilt-ridden, call yourself a man. <laughs> oh, so he loves to, uh, to, to be the wonderful comforter. And then he tells me, Daddy, you don't know how to comfort. And I'm like, oh, devil, I rebuke you. <laughs> so Vian, Vian checks up on us just so you know that we are, he's very much accountable. We are accountable to our son, if not to anybody else, to our son. So I want to recommend husbands not that you misuse your position as the king. In the home, I, I, I often remind Andre that he can't make demands as the king. We give it to him freely as, you know, his, his whatever you want to call us. But he can't demand. He can't say, hey, I'm the king. You know, that, that, that doesn't work for, for us. We want to give it to him freely. So husbands, I want to encourage you to not misuse your position as the king, but to be an honorable king, to be a good king. And, and ladies, for those of you who think this is the most foolish thing everybody's ever said, I want to I wanna give you two reasons why you can seriously consider treating your husband like the king, even if he does not act like the king. That's the part that's difficult. Because the first reason is God will fight for you if you honor your husband as the head of the home. He has a way of fighting for you in a beautiful way. And the other thing is it will motivate the king to act like a king. They know very well when they don't act like the king. They know that. So when we still do treat them as the king, which is by the grace of God, and it's not always easy, but when we do that, it inspires them to become like the king. We all know the story of Esther in the Bible, and I just want to remind you of the way she, uh, she operated you know, when God powerfully moved on her behalf, when she went to her husband, who was a king at that stage, like a real king, uh, and he was a husband and the king of the nation, he gave a favor, he saved a nation, and ultimately gave a co-rulership with himself. So he gave a power, he gave a authority. You can read in, in the book of Esther, but... Something beautiful that she did, which could be challenging for some of us or new, but she fasted for three days, fasted and prayed for three days, which means she spoke to the king of kings 
first. She presented her case to the king of kings first, and then she went to her husband, which for me is extremely significant. And I've experienced that in my own life, and I'm not talking about small things. I'm talking about weighty things, some things that's really sensitive, times when you don't see eye to eye, but you are convinced that your husband needs to hear your heart. In those situations, speaking to the king of kings first is actually very effective. So for those of you not familiar with fasting, just start with prayer. And if, but if you really feel that this is something that's really serious, your husband needs to hear your heart, add what you need to add to that presentation to the king of kings because it's really effective. I want to give you three powerful outcomes of speaking to the king of kings first. It prepares a wife's heart. I'm speaking from a wife's position, all right? The same would, would be applicable if the husband wants to speak to the, to the wife. It prepares a wife's heart to speak with wisdom and honor and to choose the right timing because that often we get that wrong. Speak with wisdom and honor and choose the right timing. It prepares the husband's heart to understand and to be sensitive. Remember, the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. This is why I read that scripture. The king, Andre's heart is in, is in God's hands. This is why I can put my trust in the Lord, why I can present my case or my concern to the king of kings first and then approach him. Because by that time, I trust that God would have prepared his heart to hear my heart. You all get that? And then the third one, it opens the, the door for the king of kings to fight for you as a, as a wife. Because when, when I honor my husband, I honor God. And he will honor that. So I want to encourage you, even though this is a, it's a difficult one, let's, especially in, in sensitive situations, let's present our case to the king of kings first and see the powerful outcome when, when we approach our husbands. Yeah, so this is a very powerful um, principle that uh, it's just how we men are wired. Ladies, you need to understand how a man is wired. When you speak the language of honor, you speak the language of respect, it's like the man's heart just opens up. When you don't speak the language of respect or honor, the, the heart just shuts down. So this is just how it is. So if you want intimacy, you need to trust God to speak with honor and uh, and uh, and communicate in the right way. And obviously, men, we need to treat the ladies with, with love and respect as well. But so uh, a while ago, we went to, uh, we, we sort of, Friday mornings is our, our sort of our date morning. So we normally go to a coffee shop or somewhere. We spend a good time. So, so the one morning, um, we went to a beach break. And uh, so we, we, we drove there. And at the time, this was in April, I think. So I was reading this book called Tortured for Christ. Now, this is a hectic book about believers being tortured and suffering for their faith. And, and I'm really, God, you know, it's, it's working on the inside of me. And I so want to share it because I want to share, I, I compute things by talking, you know. So I want to share, so I want to share this with Sonica, but she's not interested in brutal torture stories. That's not her thing, which I understand. But so now I am, I'm like, really, I want to share this with you. And so now we're driving in the car, and then I'm still, I'm talking about, yeah, you should read this, and yeah, you should read this. And then as we're just about to park, um, she said something along the lines like, yeah, yeah, but I know God is on the throne. You know, God is in control. Don't, basically communicating, don't get so worked up about stuff, you know. 
That's how I heard it. My blue glasses, my male interpretation was like, yeah, she's disrespecting me now. I'm, I want to share my heart and you're just cutting me down. You're cutting me deep here. And I'm like, no. And anyway, so anyway, so I'm, so the moment is like we on our romantic date thing. And the next moment I am like, I'm angry. I am, my heart shuts down. I'm like, I don't want to. So we get out of the car and you could feel the atmosphere has now changed. There is, there's, there's some real issues here. And uh, I mean, something small, but it's just like, it's just worked us up and me up in that moment. And now we're walking to the coffee shop. I'm, normally we hold hands. I'm like, don't touch my hand, woman. I'm like, go find yourself a seat. <laughs> anyway, so we go sit there under the trees, there beach break, and we're just about, but you, I mean, we, we, we can't, we don't fake well, okay? We don't fake well. So now we are like unhappy, she's unhappy, I'm unhappy, and we're about to sit down, and then right in front of us, like two tables in front of, there's a guy sitting there that often visited church, and he's looking straight at us. I'm like, oh my word, I can't fake it now. We know we can't fake it now. We are unhappy. We look like a very unhappy couple. And so anyway, so I'm like, oh, are we going to solve this? We need some time to, to compute and to work through this. And the next moment, my wife, her head just drops and the tears start falling. I'm like, and then I say to her, stop it, stop it. As if that was going to help. <laughs> then I cried more. My public, my public image was dead. It was the end of it. I was trying to save it. It was my last gasp. Save it. Stop it. Man. Stop it. Oh, and she just cried even more with this guy just looking at us like this. I'm like. I did put my sunglasses on, so I was thinking it might yeah, help. Yeah, but it didn't work very well. <laughs> So anyway, so uh, we sort of sorted things out, and the guy come and said hi at some point, and, uh, and then when I wanted to pay for the breakfast, he paid for the breakfast for us. So, so it was actually wonderful, guys. This is the way to get I free breakfast. I should more often in public. <laughs> the way to get free breakfast, but uh, anyway, so that day I realized, you know, just let it go, public image, you know, because you know what the people think, you know, when your wife is crying, Everybody's looking at the man thinking, you pig, you pig. So anyway, whatever. <laughs> but the, the point being is like there's just something about, you know, in that moment I was sharing my heart with her and the, the way she responded was like just cutting me off and I felt very dishonored and disrespected. It's like you flip a switch on the inside of a man. Ladies, you need to understand this. When he act, acts like an idiot again, just understand this is why, you know, but so, so many, many of us, we, we want intimacy. We want um, uh, intimacy with, with, say, with your husband, but so often we literally take a hammer and we just crush his heart by dishonoring or not valuing or not realizing how he's wired. You know, so when Sonica treats me like the king and the idea is basically as royalty as a good man, that's what basically it means. She by faith believes I am a good man. She's going to treat me like a good man. It does something to me. It, it causes me to want to be a good man. And I mean, she has, I mean, she is God's favorite daughter. I tell you, her prayers work. It's amazing. I mean, when God is choosing sides, he's choosing her side every time. It is horrific. 
But she is, she, she, she found that, that key. When she honors me, even when I don't deserve it, she's honoring God. And I tell you, God doesn't let go of me. Yeah, I puts me in the corner. He said, boy, you're going to listen now. <laughs> you know, it's really so powerful, but that's trust. You need to put your trust in the King of Kings so that he would work on your behalf. This is powerful. And there's this verse, Proverbs 31, um, verse 10 to 12, and it says, who can find a virtuous wife? For her worth is far above rubies. The heart of her husband safely trusts her. And because Sonica treats me as a good man, even when I'm not necessarily acting like a good man, it does something to me. It, I, I can honestly say my heart safely trusts her. I can share with her anything. I can open myself completely to her because I know she's going to treat me in a, in, a, in, a, in a godly way. And so my heart's wide open to her. So this is very powerful. This is the heart of her husband safely trusted. And the result is intimacy, ladies. If you want intimacy, the, the man's heart needs to be soft and wide open. You have the power through honor, through trusting in God and then honoring him despite his behavior. You honor the man and his heart opens wide. And you have intimacy. And ladies, isn't that what you're looking for? Intimacy, but when a man feels dishonored, disrespected, cut off, cut down, you take a hammer, you break that heart, it's like dude builds up walls and he pushes away. It's like, nah, -uh. <laughs> I don't trust you. My heart doesn't trust you. I can't make myself vulnerable. So this is a very, very powerful tool to soften somebody's heart both ways. When we treat one another with honor, the heart is softened and real intimacy follows. So the last one we want to share with you too. Remember, we're talking about soft hearts and thick skins. We're talking about healthy hearts. We're talking about how do we, how do we pay attention to our innermost being inside of our hearts that we often ignore because life is too busy. So we, we, this, is, this is what we're sharing about. Something that, that, that adds a lot to the health of our relationship is finding a greater purpose. And by that, we're not saying that we neglect our own relationship and just watch out for others. But if we don't have a greater purpose, uh, we will become very self-focused and it will become a very unhealthy relationship. So you all know the scripture, Matthew 6, um, 33, that says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Well known. We have to pursue a purpose greater than our marriage relationship. And as I say, a very big contribution to the health of our relationship is having an outward focus. That's our reality. That is our testimony. And I want to give you two practical examples. Once again, that's, that's our examples. You can, you can add to this. I'm sure we can learn from you guys. But since Andre and I, was, when, when we went to university, we became involved in Shofar as students. So this is where we met. We met in church. You know, Andre, at, at students, students often go to church in the evenings. That's the, just the, the habit in, in Stellenbosch. But then we had morning services as well. It was not well attended, but I always went. And then I would always find this man sitting there as well. Oh, it was just amazing for me to witness that because people would, 
they would sleep in on a Sunday morning, the students, then they go to church on Sunday nights, but we had this desire for more. So, so even before we were dating, we had a, we had a, just a, a greater purpose than our own lives. And even though we're not doing this full time, we've been involved in church and in a, in a greater purpose than our own since I can remember when we were dating in the early years of our marriage. And now it's, it's, we, we're just doing this full-time because this is our passion. But we've been involved in a greater purpose since ever. And I want to read you, a, a, um, it's, there's an eight-year study done by Shaunti Felton. It, it's called The Good News About Marriage. And I want to read to you this, what that study revealed. It says the divorce rate among those active in their church is 27 to 50% lower than among non-churchgoers. So it's not people who go to church, it's not church attenders, it's those actively involved. There's a big difference. There's many people going to church. But this study revealed that the divorce rate among people actively in their church is 27 to 50% lower than non-church goers. And this is church involvement. You can get involved in any ministry. There's so many goals or uh, institutions or, or charities out there that it just refocus your your uh, your attention from your own relationship outside that's the one thing that that really makes a difference for us the other thing that we've decided to do is every five years we celebrate our wedding anniversary with other people and it, it's costing us actually quite a bit of money to organize that party to pull it off and we could spend it just on ourselves. It's quite a few thousand that we can spend on a really nice weekend away. But we've made a decision to not only focus on our own marriage, but also to invest in other marriages. And in, and in that, we get blessed. So there's a few photos. That's our 15-year. We did a 5-year. We did a 10-year. We did a 15-year. That was our highlight of, of, of the three and Andre kind of casually suggested the other day, maybe when we hit 20, we should make it like a 10-year gap, you know, like 20. I'm like, no way. We had an agreement. <laughs> so every five years, if, if, you know, by God's grace, we can do that. And if it depends on me, we're going to celebrate big every five years. We're going to invest in other people's marriages. And we're going to make a stand because it's not only about us. It's about you guys who are married. It's about you guys who must still get married. It's, it's, our marriage relationship is about far more than just us. So when I fight for my marriage, I fight for your marriage. And this is our heart to, to, to have a greater purpose than, than just us. So yeah, so this is, you know, again, if you want a great marriage, that's what I often say to people is if you want to, if you're ordinary marriage, you know, don't, don't find a greater purpose, but if you want a great marriage, pursue something together, you know, pursue God together, pursue blessing others together, you know, so if it's like on the heart theme, you know, when you, when you shift your expectations to God, you, you put your heart in a safe place, you know, when you trust in God and you, and you honor one another, you, you soften one another's hearts, but when you pursue a greater purpose, it's like you enlarge your capacity. It's like you enlarge your heart. It's like together 
you, it's like your strengths come together and you, you together begin to grow like never before. You know, so I want to really encourage you to, to pursue that. Pursue something greater. Get involved in church or wherever God would lead you, but to, together, you know. Don't let the one, you know, don't let the one only or the one comes to church and the other one doesn't or the one is involved and the other one is not involved. The one comes and the other one. You, you're going to see an impact. I see it in the lives of when both husband and wife get involved in a church community. You can just see things go next level. Okay, so I want to encourage you to do that. It's a, it's a, it's a huge, huge key. So do you have, ask yourself the question, do you have that greater purpose? Because I, 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 lo- I love how with me and Sonica, just together to, to do ministry and life together, it, it, it really is special. You know, it, uh, it adds so much to us. And so the, the power of a husband and wife unified is incredible. That's why the enemy wants to destroy it. He wants you to go on different paths, to be divided, different values, different passions. He wants you to be together. God wants you to be one so that his kingdom can really come. They, I, I don't think there is, they are more powerful prayers than when a husband and wife united, hearts soft, hearts connected, really pray together. Okay, so I want to encourage you to do that. Amen. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.